Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Prime Subjective, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Chris Newcomer, your host. Uh, with me today, we've got Michael Henley. Hello. Janim. You said it, and you said it good. Good job. And Carrie. Okay, and Carrie <laughs> Coleman Hinners. Hi. I. Uh, I I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. She, I she apologizes it. for her greeting. It's okay. It's all good. Today <laughs> we will be discussing. Uh, we will be discussing Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, uh, season one, episode four, Memento Mori. Or as I was telling someone about this podcast and what we do yesterday, we're. I said we're currently doing Star Trek that um that one you know the weird weird worlds and I, I lost the name of the whole series. So that's a good <laughs> sign when you host a podcast reviewing it. Um, <laughs> weird new worlds uh, weird new something or other I don't know but hey Carrie I know I know yeah. you you felt a little weird about that greeting but how you doing oh I'm doing great uh, my headphones are not doing great they are going to uh, run out of juice in a second but oh no that's okay is uh, this is this an engineering problem that we can solve even if we have a broken hand and can't see and only have a wonderful, dexterous, um, smart person who can speak well many languages to solve it? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Our inside well... jokes need some work. <laughs> hey, that's an episode inside joke. If you've watched yeah. it, you get it. Come yeah. on now. There you go. Well, I just want to tell you guys about this inflatable pool that I purchased. <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to hear about this. All right. Okay. What? You... <laughs> did, did did Scott already tell you about this inflatable pool? No, Carrie, I saw the beautiful photo of your legs in the trash. Um, oh, I see. <laughs> that you posted today. <laughs> <laughs> your legs in the uh, trash? Yeah. I got Wait, this $30 dollar inflatable pool and right. I really, really wanted it. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Hold on, please. Apple bottom jeans, legs in the trash. All right. <laughs> Sorry, this is where we were talking about like the technical problems that were going to happen. Uh, sorry. You're I can't good. Hear you? I can't hear you. I hear you now. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, we you... probably should have been talking or something to help oh, you yeah. understand. <laughs> what are we doing? Okay, sorry to delay this whole podcast by 10 minutes by asking how I'm doing. <laughs> it really set us back a long time. Uh, I got okay. an inflatable pool. I filled it up with water. I was sitting in it. It was nice. Okay, I love yeah. that. And the picture that I saw, Carrie also made mention of the fact that she's got a great view of her trash yeah. from her inflatable pool yeah. um, in her backyard. Well, where in her backyard. I had to put it, where I had to put it, it was like the only place. There's other nice views in my yard, but where I had to put the pool. I listen, I've been to your home. It's lovely and I'm jealous. So I get it. That's, <laughs> it's very nice. It's very nice. Hey, Jay Nim, how are you doing? I'm, I'm on the whole. Okay. Um, I, I got, I came down with COVID symptoms Friday before last, and I still have like a wet cough, mm. even though I'm on like day 11. Um, so it's uh it's it's uh it's not it's nasty it i'm was, sorry man that sucks i mean yeah it's it's luckily i'm not i don't have like a fever anymore but or, or chills or anything or i'm not in like extreme i'm not in like pain or anything but mm -hmm. um but on in good news uh there's a project that 
Mike Henley, Carrie, and I are all involved in, and that I invited Chris to, but that Chris was too cool for. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh that is a busy person <laughs> an improvised space adventure so if you look up space station podcast on spit on stitcher spotify and i believe it's up on apple music now um in addition to just being on google podcasts you can you can find it it's space station podcast by state by space station podcast um and, and it's uh it's it's amateurly sound designed by me with a lot of love and it's you know they're just gonna keep on coming so they're improvised. Is it is it a long form like continuing yes. story? Okay. Uh, you know, for now. Okay. Who knows what's gonna happen, really? All right, cool. Yeah, we just released. Oh. Uh, I just released the first episode this past weekend. Um, well, I feel you're gonna have a lot of fun figuring out what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm the most obligated person on the planet to have to listen to this, given the fact that all three of you wow. were on it and I wow. said no to the project. I want to as well. I mean, it's a, it's a combination of obligation and joy and desire. Okay. Much like a trip home. Um, oh. <laughs> that was very poetic. <laughs> wow. Hey, Michael Henley, um, number one, congratulations to the three of you. That's amazing. And Jay, I apologize for not taking part. <laughs> I, uh, at some point, if my schedule is different, maybe I will. Michael Henley, if the doors still open, also tell me to mm. go get the hell out of here. I lost my chance. That's fair, too. Um, Michael Henley, how are you doing? I am doing great. We had a very lovely Memorial Day. Um, we went uh, upstate to, uh, to my girlfriend's parents' house, where we did nothing and it was awesome and it was oh, so incredibly funny. relaxing and it's uh I, I very rarely get that feeling now where like i'm approaching a work week and instead of going like Ugh, we're just like all right i'm energized now that feeling lasted um six hours but um you know for those six hours good stuff good stuff honestly six hours of like peaceful joy and, and on this in this day and age on this planet in this economy i i think that's a beautiful thing <laughs> in this economy <laughs> Six hours and that's six economy. hours. Jeez, with inflation, what it is. Um, that's incredible. I'm really I'm happy for you, Michael. That's great. Well, how am I doing? Sure, I'll do <laughs> one of these days. I'm gonna get the cue lined Chris, up perfectly. Chris, why are you doing? Why listen? Are you if doing? I knew that answer, I would, I would just cease to exist, I think. So, better I don't figure it out. Um, I'm doing well. I had a wonder. I had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. We had a. I'm on a musical theater improv team. I've talked about a couple times called Thank You Places. We had a show on Friday, and I had some some friends from high school came who I'd not seen in a long time. That was lots of fun. And then um, on Sunday we went to the New Jersey Renaissance Fair. Oh, um, awesome! I went with some friends, and I went with my boyfriend. Um, so the person I was talking about who I was dating in that last oh, episode, they became my boyfriend. Now. Titles the, now. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of fun. It's official. It's official. I miss when I miss when titles used to be like Lord and Lady instead of these. Yeah, well, I mean, I did say my Lord to him a lot at this fair, and that was fun. <laughs> um, it was kind of cool. There was I, I I saw a friend who was in a a a, a comedy musical group at the at the fair. They're called Chased Treasure. It's an all female acapella group. They do sort of modern hits and whatever. It was it was a good time. Yeah. And uh, I also saw another friend who was part of a um living recreation of a viking village which was really cool to see and yeah it was it was all of it was really neat and also a dog show which was very cute <laughs> um yeah so i had a great weekend and, uh, and I'm, I'm doing great so thank you for asking 
Um, but we also have some Trek in the News, which I don't think anyone else has heard. I, I found it, and I don't think anybody knows about Breaking this Trek news. in the News. Breaking, Breaking news. news. Or maybe we've talked about this before, but I don't think we have. Oh, it's so covert. This almost feels like Trek spionage. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> oh! I like that very much. <laughs> So I looked up I looked up some Trek in the news and I found this title that says Star Trek showrunner says fans aren't ready for the next big villain. And I thought maybe he was talking about the Gorn or what we're about yeah. to see in this current, but he's not. He was talking about the villain from Star Trek Picard. And apparently some fans were sort of goading them online. Um and so uh, someone said, oh, you mentioned in an interview how impressed you were with the performance of season 3's villain. Is it a character we've met before or a new character or is that giving away too much? And they said, it is a new character played by someone you've seen a million times before. What? Someone I've always wanted to work with. And wow, you're not ready. Oh, so it my better guess, be Mark Alemo. Oh, it could be. Or I think Meryl <gasps> Streep. I think it's Meryl Streep coming in <gasps> as the big villain of season three of Picard. Steve and her name chef. is Mother Time. No. <laughs> so, so, so Jay and Chris, you perfectly, uh, you know, you perfectly encapsulated the two forks that potentially, is it someone who's appeared in Star Trek before, the actor that uh -huh. is, or is it someone who has not appeared in Star Trek before? If it's someone who has appeared in Star Trek before, I think Mark Alamo is a very, very solid choice. If it's, or maybe Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs? Yeah. Anything. Um, if it's someone what? who has not I been in Star Trek I hope it's Jeffrey before, Combs so hard. For, okay, for, for the folks who have not done their homework or maybe, uh, who who has Jeffrey Combs played? Or have you seen him play? Or Mark, Mark Alamo, who have, we, who have we seen them play? Well, Jeffrey Combs has played a lot of people. He's played um, in Deep Space Nine. He plays Brunt, the uh, of of the FCA. In addition to playing Wayuns, all of them. Um, in uh, Enterprise, he plays Shran, the Andorian. He really runs the gamut of like lackey to like lackey with a lot of agency, who is sort of evil, but also conditioned to be evil. And then Shran is just sort of like a likable, like action hero, um, extremely versatile, great actor. And then Mark Alemo plays Goldicott in Deep Space Nine. Oh, of course, yeah. Who is- I, I, I knew that despite the way I just said, wow, oh, I, I really <laughs> Right, um, and of course, this is only for your education, Chris. <laughs> you are the only person on the planet who didn't know these things. <laughs> um, and all these actors, even Mark Alemo, who is best known for Goldicott, he played at least a couple Romulans, I think, on <laughs> Next Gen before he got the Goldicott gig. And he also and, played uh, Gull Masset. Yes, yes. So he's played multiple Cardassians. He played a human being, actually, in a, um, it was the two-parter where, uh, where Data goes back to San Francisco and meets Mark Twain. Mm. Uh, he plays not Mark Twain, but someone who's at a poker table or something. Oh. So between him and Jeffrey Combs, they both of these actors have played numerous races, you know, so like they're, they're they they, they kind of run the table when it comes to, um, you know, just kind of uh, being character actors just kind of pop up again, honestly. So it would be delightful. What if it was if Scott it, Thompson, you know, from he, uh, yeah. he's, he's on a one Voyager episode from, yeah, Kids, in from Kids in the Hall? Kids in the Hall, yeah. Oh, <laughs> he just revamped yes. Kids in the Hall, so yes. I'm just saying, just uh, another weird, super queer villain. I'd love that. That'd be That'd be a yeah. chef's kiss. I love that character that he played. It was like he came from this really conservative planet, but he had one day off and he went totally crazy. <laughs> yeah. And he was like sex and food and <laughs> Yeah, they, they were at Sandrine's and he was going crazy, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so the one thing I want to say though too is if it's someone who has never appeared in Star Trek before, the actor, all I can think of is how cool would it be if it was Ian McKellen? 
Oh, oh, my God. Oh, that would be such a good idea. That's a lot of poetic layers. I like that, Michael Henley. Uh I would die. I would literally die. I would fall over and I would die. Yeah, if that happens. So, so it shouldn't happen then, right? If it comes to the cost I mean, of your I'm life, or, or I'm or it's investing as well, yes. Truly, or it's Famke Jansen as the Dark Phoenix. Oh, coming in to just here's fully. A, here's a fourth. Here's a fourth idea. Uh, Zendaya. No, well, that's I mean, not what I was going to say. She'd be my, great, though. As a fourth, genocidal dictator. My fourth idea is just you know a hologram of a deceased actor <laughs> playing a new part. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, wow. Leonard, Leonard Nimoy is evil Spock. Here's, here's my it. vote. No. Here's my vote. After his triumph in Space, Space Jam, a new legacy, I want LeBron James. Yes! <laughs> With, and he controls, he controls his like forces as they battle by dribbling a basketball that like glows around the ship. That's what Wait, they it could meant be, by you're not ready, because just like, yeah, I didn't want to be ready for that. We're not ready you, for this. You fought with spaceships, but have you fought with basketballs? <laughs> God, there are just so many opportunities from the, the sublime to the absurd that, that could happen. I just don't know what which way I want it to go. I you know who was... I want it to be? I want it to be one of the Lower Decks characters, like Mariner, uh, but like still cartoon. So they yeah. show up and they're, and they're mm-hmm. animated, like Roger Rabbit style. That's yeah. what I want. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. Ooh, oh man! Yes. If it's also played, if it's nope. a, also played by uh, Brent Spiner, but a completely different character, I will also <laughs> lose my mind. <laughs> I think Terry Metalis has worked with Brent Spiner, given the fact that he's been on the past two seasons. Yeah. So that what he says, a new character played by someone you've seen a million times, someone they've always wanted to work with. So I, I guess see. it's they've never worked with them before. Tom Cruise as Maverick from Top Gun, and even though they're in space, he has the same like F sixteen fighter jet. Listen, as long as they play volleyball shirtless, I'm cool. With that. Um, <laughs> well, now that we've Something ended that on a horny yeah. note, uh, <laughs> that would that would be Star Trek if it was sponsored by Raytheon. Well, it is Pride Month, so maybe they should yeah. you know, lean in on that. Um, Chris, I, I say we're not ending that on a horny note. We're beginning the rest of the show. On <laughs> Correct. I like that very much. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this episode, Memento Mori. Hey, I feel yes. like someone on this panel probably could describe Memento Mori and what it means. Is it? Do, am I right about that? Anybody? Uh, there's, there's, there's no actor named Memento Mori on IMDb. So I, <laughs> I can muddle a poor guess, but instead I'll just look it up. Yeah, I just felt. I think Jay. I thought you might well, actually just. I mean, no. I know what the lat like the Latin translation is like. Remember that re- you have to die. Yeah, right. that's yeah. all. Remember yeah. death. Yeah. Remember your. Remember but isn't it death. that like peasants used to whisper it to you know generals so that they would remember their hubris, keep their hubris in line, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. We should bring back like heckling of people Hell in yes. positions of status. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Like there's a there's a French dude who got to like just smack the French president like a month or two months ago, like the French president was just at an event and the guy just like slapped him as the French president was like talking to his supporters. I love that. Yeah, I think that's great. More slapping, but then Will Smith got in trouble for that. Mm. Yeah, well, it's not. I don't think Chris Rock was like a dictator to be slapped. <laughs> you know, I I I I I'm fully on board with uh, slapping uh, our elected oh, officials. Oh man. Um, yeah. Especially after the past couple of weeks, I would say, I would say. But yeah, I think we, I think that's a, that's a good we get that's a good idea of what memento mori is is to remember death, remember and, the um, inevit- inevitability of death, the inevitability of death. That's exactly right. So that's the name of this episode. 
Um, and as it opens up, the Enterprise crew reflects on those that paid the ultimate price in their service to Starfleet on Remembrance Day, which I thought was interesting that it very much coincides with Amer uh, America's uh, Memorial Day. The crew is puzzled to find a Federation colony seemingly abandoned with its communication systems inhibited. Number One decides to personally lead a landing party to investigate, joined by La'an, Nuni, and Singh. As the landing party discovers the disturbing signs of a wholesale massacre at the colony, the Enterprise encounters a mysterious spacecraft orbiting the planet, with the crew of the approaching vessel identifying themselves as refugees from the colony. As the Enterprise welcomes the surviving refugees onto the ship, Singh realizes that the attackers are the Gorn, noting that she barely survived in her own previous encounter with them. This realization comes too late, as the Gorn take advantage of the Enterprise's lowered shields to accommodate boarding the refugees to launch a surprise attack on the two starships. The Enterprise sustains heavy damage with Number One and Chief Engineer Hemmer wounded, while the refugee ship is destroyed in the assault. Um, so I had never, have, have the Gorn appeared previously in Star Trek? Oh yeah. Oh, oh my, yeah. yes. There's yes. that infamous like scene where Kirk hurls a boulder and throws it at a Gorn, right? So, and it's like yeah. a piece this, of styrofoam. It's <laughs> the episode called The Arena. And I, I love oh. this episode. So, oh yeah, that's one of the classic oh, uh, original series episodes when he's fighting the Gorn on the planet. There's a, there's a third alien race that forces them to fight on the planet and i just heard a little uh also a bit of trivia that that was the first episode where they used for photon torpedoes there you go little oh, quiz okay. um i learned that on the ready room with will wheaton <laughs> um no 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 the the gorn i love that they use the gorn i love it so much because the gorn were previous it's a it's an alien that we know but we didn't know too much about mm -hmm. uh and the Gorn were previously kind of a joke, specifically because of the Rena episode, because of the costume and how slow he moved. So that was another reason why that episode was so popular, because the fight is so ridiculous. Um, so giving them this sort of mysterious, they don't know what they look like, it gives them this like really big bad guy uh, status. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. Especially, I mean, having grown up with the original series and 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 all that stuff, I thought this show. Uh, I, I can't wait to get into it, but man, this show is good. Um, yeah, and one of the things I really episode. liked about it is it um it kind of it brings back the scare factor of the Gorn because the Gorn, if you watch that original series episode, they are meant to be scary. They are. It takes a long time to reveal the Gorn. It's not until like Act Two or Three, basically, that Kirk and the Gorn find themselves on the planet. It's a big reveal when it's like, oh my God, it's a dinosaur wearing clothes, and um, and I never can <laughs> quite tell whether, you know, we're we're so far removed from the '60s. It's tough to tell, like when you see an effect like that, um, or a costume like that, where you're just like, was this good at the time? Or maybe not the time where people were like, this is kind of silly. Um, it was comical. I, was probably, I think it was always yeah. a little comical because oh, it also kind of moved wish. real yeah. slow. You know, yeah. like the punches were going real slow. And, and because of that, I feel like if you are watching the episode, um, you know and you know its reputation, there's probably a little bit of restlessness in the beginning where you're like, I've seen the Gorn, the Gorn aren't scary. Why is everyone acting like they're scary? And like, you know, it, but part of it is like just the kind of earnestness of the approach. I love that they approach this story from a place of we're going to 
kind of lead up to that encounter, you know, that happens several years later. Mm -hmm. We're going to not reveal them and we're going to make them scary again. So if you were to watch this episode and uh, Arena back to back, when in the early stages, when people are fretting about the Gorn, when the Gorn destroy, you know, a, a star base or whatnot, you know, instead of you going like, they're not scary. Instead, I'd just be like, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. No, like they're, they're, yeah. they're frightening. I thought that was a really cool choice. I can't wait to see what they, if, if they reveal the Gorn, how they depict them now mm -hmm. with uh, all of the yeah. great special effects and costuming and makeup effects that they have now. I, I can't wait to see it. Because they they've avoided it. it. They, yeah. They've avoided it. The Gorn had been mentioned several times, like on D-Space and mm -hmm. uh, in Enterprise. I think you saw a tail at a certain point. Basically. Enterprise, there was a fight where Jonathan Archer, where Archer fought a Gorn, like okay. in the ship. Okay. A Gorn was like a slave trader or something, okay. and he got in a fight with a Gorn. So that was the only other episode that I could think of where a Gorn appeared. So that was kind uh, of a plot hole to say that no one's ever seen it, where maybe Archer has seen it, but maybe Archer sure. didn't tell anybody. I could believe that. <laughs> Archer was like, I didn't tell anybody. What he wasn't good at chips logs, you know. <laughs> there, there's one more appearance, too, which was just a couple years ago on Lower Decks. Um, there was the episode where yeah. everyone's telling the different story about what happened during the mission. Um, and um, uh, I think it's Rutherford, basically. His implant keeps shorting out, so he keeps, like, blinking and all of a sudden he's in a different look and he doesn't know what's going on and at one point he drops into a gorn wedding and just the sight <laughs> gag of a bride and groom gorn in like a <laughs> costume is one of the funniest sight gags of the entire show a show that i think is packed with funny sight gags yeah yeah love that well and as someone who didn't i mean i've seen the arena a long time ago i did i think i forgot that that's what the name of that that alien was so since I didn't, I didn't draw that correlation, I was just straight up terrified. Also, this whole episode was so cinematic. I was like, this is a movie. We're watching a really yeah. good movie right now. Yep. I was yep. uh, also on the ready room. I was watching, I was like, I was, I'm going to research by watching the ready room and they're going to tell me <laughs> everything. And then I'll just relay <laughs> that over to you guys. Um, so uh, the producers were talking about how they wanted to sort of relay it to uh, a submarine battle. Absolutely. So sure. they they got that return to that low tech radar in space. They wanted it to feel very claustrophobic and enclosed, and you can't see your enemy. You don't know where they are. Um, and I think that was really successful. I think that was really cool about this episode. Yeah. yeah, I think this show is really succeeding at being a fun space adventure, and I want it to be more. Like I'm waiting. For for the first like serious ethical decision that characters like disagree on and talk through. And I'm a little surprised that four episodes in, I can't think of one. Like this episode, I felt like I was just watching stuff happen. Some of it was cool. Some of it made sense. Some of it did not make sense. Like, um, like when, when, when they talk about how they're adapting like the scanners they have to like see in the nebula and there's some like really jargon heavy explanation yeah. and then Pike goes, you just turned the compass into a radar. I was like, that didn't clear anything up. That didn't, <laughs> that didn't make sense, which is fine. But there are some deeper, like the whole remembrance. Anyway, I'll talk, a, I'd like to talk about like some of the threads I feel like they were trying to establish that didn't really pan out in my opinion towards at the, after we get through the plot. Okay, I'll describe. I'll describe some more, then we can we can circle back. Oh, one more thing before we go on. Sure. I read another article. Uh, somebody was comparing this to um, 
a, a another ter, uh, original series episodes where they first meet the the um, the Romulans because in that the ounce of terror because in that episode no one had seen the Romulans before mm-hmm. and they were a sort of a mysterious uh, there was a there was fighting them they were very dangerous and they did also use that as like it was right after the cold war and everything so they did actually use this as a way that's why the romulans ended up looking like vulcans because because one one character on the show had like a very intense bias towards the the romulans because of what they did similar to the um lan character <clears throat> wow so okay i'm gonna keep on uh great just... episode it's yeah. a great episode. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to keep on describing. Mm-hmm. Um, Singh advises Pike not to attempt to flee or engage um, uh, the Gorn directly as the enemy still holds a considerable upper hand against them while pressing the attack. Pike has the Enterprise enter a nearby brown dwarf, which will interfere with both the Enterprise and Gorn's ship systems, helping mitigate the Gorn's advantage. With the Enterprise's phasers and shields out, Pike has helmsman Erica Ortegas maneuver the ship over the Gorn to manually drop a photon torpedo on the vessel and destroy it. And while Pike's strategy was successful, the Gorn allowed this to learn the Starfleet vessel's location, with three additional Gorn warships now in active pursuit of the Enterprise. My favorite line being Ortegas being like, what's that big blip? (laughs) (laughs) Pike orders the Enterprise to move deeper into the Brown Dwarf, believing the drastic increase in pressure will affect the Gorn ships faster than his own. After the Gorn lose a ship to the increased pressure, Spock and Singh investigate the immediate area outside the ship in a shuttlecraft. Uh, while piloting the shuttle together, Spock carries out a Vulcan mind meld, revealing details about Singh's past encounter with the Gorn. Afterwards, Spock privately admits to Singh that he is still haunted by the apparent death of his sister, Michael Burnham. This is what this person described as her death. I guess maybe that's why what he would describe it to her. I don't know. What, she's not dead. She's just in no. the future. Yeah, a loss. I would call that a, a loss. loss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I can't stand Lon Nunian Singh four episodes really? of. Okay. Right. because okay. like there are just some lines in this episode like when she says the enemy doesn't care about my feelings so i don't have any and then pike is like listen you're part of a crew like stop this bullshit but in nice pike words and then she goes you know i don't care what people think and it just really felt like an yeah. edgy high schooler's conception yeah of, like, I, I was I, thinking I about agree. that too yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's just like and it's Ugh, just why can't be a bit more like isn't there an emotional maturity component to being starship to being a, a starfleet crew member I, I don't have a problem with the lines per se except maybe her reading of them uh mm. because you can say things in a different tone and still get the same feeling across without sounding like a rebellious teenager it's like you know, if you can say something like, well, they don't care about it, so why should I? You sound really immature. But if you're just speaking like, well, if they don't care about it, why should I care about it? It sound, it comes across as like, you're a different, uh, you're more older and mature and... <laughs> but it's but it's part of like a really immature line of thinking that we've mm-hmm. seen from La Nunian saying in the episodes before too, like her whole thing with like, 
Una Chin Riley in the previous episode where she's angry that Una didn't like tell her that she was Illyrian when that's not your yeah. secret to know. That is not at all your secret to know. Yeah. You are like yeah. so far down on the totem pole of people who need to know that secret and like know your place and realize that there are good reasons someone would hide would hide their, that they are from a species banned from joining the Federation while they're serving. Well, I it's thought that part of an immature like anyway. I I, I get that. I thought that particular moment was interesting because they were kind of poking at some shades of gray with that character because more often than not, you know, on Star Trek, uh, you know, kind of uh, the, the chief of security is someone we can get behind, I guess, you know, basically, or at least, you know, everything. And I think the, the one exception is like Odo uh, on Deep Space Nine, especially because given his history, there were definitely plenty of moments when like Odo was basically like, uh, I can't think of any examples, but he was basically just like, well, I think this should be this, you know, I mean, and it was basically just like, that feels kind of authoritarian. And, you know, oh, he was super authoritarian <laughs> yeah, and there were just exactly. other people keeping him in check. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I should be able to arrest whoever I want, even though there's no evidence. Just like, I don't think, and you know, Cisco would have to be like, uh, I'd really prefer if you didn't do that. Um, and I, 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 and I thought this was kind of an interesting, I, I thought that particular moment was just an interesting kind of like, oh yeah, because I agree, it's not her right to know that kind of thing. But, you know, if you, if you look at it as a, you know, like, like it's an interesting shade to put in this character of just like, since I'm chief of security, my business, your business is my business kind of thing. Like that kind of yeah, yeah. not having boundaries kind of thing I was like, that's interesting. That's, that, that, that's an interesting direction to take a character. Like that's going to get you into trouble. Um, this so in this episode, I I agree, and I Carrie, I especially agree with you in the sense that I think it is the delivery, if only because I could appreciate it more if it smacked more of severe PTSD. And I realize that's what the show is telling us, but mm -hmm. I feel like it's still too emotional for what it is, and given her history, I just feel like the balance isn't quite right. I think maybe what it is too, from an acting perspective, is this this actor who I do think is good. I think they're giving kind of a one note performance of what's going on. There's, there's less of a levels going on. And so we're, so we're having a little trouble, I think getting in and, and mm. believing it as a, as a, as someone really responding, how they would respond to this. Cause I do, I do, I do, um, I do think I like this actress. I just think that maybe yeah. this is not their best. It's true. I think All the actress... her responses have been the sim similar tone, no matter yeah. whenever she's talking, the tone is the same. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see how, like, how much, I don't think there's that much room for this actress to work with, though. Yeah. Like, even if she wanted to act it differently, there are just a lot of lines that paint this person as someone who takes pride in working alone when they literally work on a spaceship with, like, hundreds <laughs> of other people. Like, what is, yeah. how? Yeah. <laughs> That's just, I, what, like, how is that, yeah. does that work as a conceit? What? So, so I, I think not, yeah. And, and, but it's but like make, ineffective, <laughs> so short sighted. Anyway. Yeah, no, well, not to make, uh, you know, excuses because I agree with you. I think part of what is hurting, I think, is that um, I not, well, it, it's because this show has a shortened season. It's only like about 12, but it's it's still playing in this, it, it's playing in this old mode, this mode that we really like of like these episodic story, you know, where, you know, and, and this week will be this character's episode. This week will be this character's episode. The difference between A Strange New World that's made in like 1995 and one that's made right now is that, you know, you get four or five episodes a season to establish La'an. So if there is mm -hmm. one episode where you're just like, she's kind of one note it's like it's like you know it's like it's an experiment i guess from a, from a writer's perspective just like let's let's do the lana the the lana episode okay like 
Uh, uh, we 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 struck uh, fewer notes, you know, yeah, with this. And I, I do feel gratified. Good. Yeah, I do feel gratified that they set up this backstory of this character in earlier episodes, and they mm-hmm. saw it through, rather mm-hmm. than what they have done to us in the past with just throwbacks. Oh, by the way, this is my backstory. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh my god! But like, so. Mike, I kind of have to ask you then, like there are ways in both this episode and the previous one where they could have set it up around something interesting we learn about the character. So in the previous episode, there's the whole light virus, right? And we basically just watch an action movie of them trying to contain the light virus across the ship for like 45 minutes. And then at the end, there's this crazy reveal that the doctor is keeping his daughter in indefinite stasis and refusing to like accept that she has a terminal disease and keeping her alive with no like... With no, with no commitment to like, well, after this many years, maybe like we should stop or like maybe I should accept that she has a disease that is terminal instead of just keeping her alive indefinitely. Um, because when even, even if they manage to cure her in like 15 years, she's just going to wake up in a totally different world than the one she went to sleep in. She's barely going to know anyone because any like friends she had, like that is a seriously like straight, that is a, that is a situation worthy of like analysis in an episode. But they chose to instead have just like a, oh, we need to like stop people from burning themselves action movie, which was still fun. But then like they dropped a serious bombshell at the end and then just kind of played it off as a happy ending with the doctor reading a bedtime story to his daughter. And then it just kind of ends and hopefully it comes back. Yeah, but I'm hoping episode- it comes back, too, because I, I think that's what I, I'm going to guess. I'm going to bet I'm going to put money on this that that will come back. But like, I... why even have the light virus action movie that didn't have any real ethical dilemmas? It had like a reveal that Una Chin Riley is genetically engineered, but that never is like part of any decision making, really. And it's not like she there's like pressure on her like to hide it when it's like no, she's obviously going to tell everyone. Yeah. And in this episode, but I'm um, also not sure why you're searching so hard for ethical dilemmas in every episode. Because I'm just watching events happen otherwise, yeah. and I feel like a passive viewer, and nothing that like anything I think about the episode doesn't really feel important. Mm-hmm. And and Mike, to your point, like you wanted you wanted like a, you said that Una, that Laan is supposed to have a PTSD angle. Right, that could have easily been factored into the storyline script if there was like a cost to her physical health for remembering battle critical information about the Gorn hmm. that they need to like survive, and then it becomes a question of like, well, how much of this person's, how much do we value this person's life when like all these people are at risk? Do we ask them to, to undergo like traumatic, um, to possibly traumatic experiences to get information that could help us defeat an enemy? There's none of that. Okay. Okay. I, well, I feel like there's lots of different ways to factor in PTSD into a story like this. I, I, I didn't necessarily disagree with how they did it because one of the things I, 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 I regardless of the dialogue it took to get there, I liked the viewpoint that Pike offers, which is this idea of I, I think that, you know, being fatalistic is, you know, is it, 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 is is not the way to go about. And I, I think a lot of that is born out of her PTSD. I don't know. And I, I, I don't necessarily think, too, that it's a trait that is, it, it's certainly not a trait that's gone. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're going to engage with it again. I, I, I think, you know, what I'm just generally talking about is I think there is a, there's kind of a shakedown crew at the beginning of every show 
Um, I think we're just seeing it very apparent here. We're like, they're just kind of getting to know the characters a little bit, uh, you know, and, and I, I think, I, you know, I, I think that they would probably even say that just like this one didn't push Lon hard enough, basically. We need to push her more kind of thing, you know, because it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Um, I also think, you know, about the uh, ethical dilemma stuff too. I want to see that too, absolutely as well. But I will also say that one of the things I always liked about Star Trek is that it does have there's there's a lot of different crayons in the box. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is that is one of the key crayons, but I think there's a lot of them. Um, you know, and and I, and so I don't necessarily feel like something is missing so much as like there's something clearly there there's a crayon on the back box we haven't played with yet and there's still room to build yeah Yeah. i don't have any doubt that they're gonna play yeah i also enjoyed the concept of the remembrance day that they set up at the top i think that was pretty smart for star trek to do because we do often lose a lot of people and sometimes we just don't talk about it so it was yeah and you're right i did watch it actually uh um, Memorial Day weekend. I didn't watch it on Thursday, so I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." So I think another thing to to, to mention too, um, and after this, I'll I'll just finish. Uh, there's one more paragraph in this description, and then we're we're through the whole episode description. But um, you know, um, Pike kept saying, "I have faith in Enterprise. I have faith in Enterprise. I know she can handle it." Mm-hmm. Part of me is like, "Is he thinking about the fact that he knows that he's going to survive this because he knows he's seen his ten years from now future?" Mm-hmm. So there's like some aspects of that built into like some of it, which I thought was very an interesting shade to throw in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause he knows he's going to survive. So does he, he's, he's sort of a gamble as well. If I survive, clearly enterprise must survive as well. Is and it, so is it I, a testament to the skill of this episode, by the way, that I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, I, well, they're clearly trying to push the angle of like, you know, he tells Laan you make miracles happen by like sure. being positive and telling people. And I, that's what I connected it to is like, he's mm-hmm. trying to instill hope in other people that like this, that's that the miracle of enterprise surviving a, a really dangerous scenario is possible. And hopefully that inspires them to like make the little adjustments that'll win them the day. I, yeah. I liked, I liked also when he confronted her about her, uh, the way she talks to people and I, I'm glad they put it in there, and I hope it's uh, something that we'll see growth in the character of things that we're complaining about today. I'm she sure needs to go to therapy. Mm. They don't. <laughs> they have all a, do. <laughs> they don't have a counselor on the ship yet. When did they get counselors? I, I think some of those characters need therapy more than others. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And I think Lon is priority number one, <laughs> like actively anti-social security chief. Who sort of is like a well, bit but if of she a wasn't there, there'd be less conflict too. So they need somebody there to be the. You need a, you need drama. That's that's need, what you, you want from a crew member. <laughs> you need yeah, a provocateur. Yeah, no, I mean, no, no, but on a TV well, show, you need that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I mean, you, people yeah. have. Oh my god, my brain's going in so many different directions. Right now. I yeah. mean, people have often said too. I mean, next gen was. Um, all right, everyone put on your, all right, all right, we're going to turn the picture of Gene Roddenberry around, you know, I know we all, you know, like him and he created Star Trek and all, but like people have always talked about how Next Gen, when he was running the show in the early years was very, very constricting because of the fact he was very big on like, no, characters do not have interpersonal conflict, you know, like they don't have demons. They, they don't have like, you know, have. things. And yeah, but Gene like, didn't like, want that. Yes, Gene but Gene didn't Roddenberry that. didn't want that. Yeah, <laughs> Gene, he Gene got the show. Gene got <laughs> kind of writers. Yeah. I don't know. Gene said Gene said some odd stuff. Like he was like, in the future, people don't yeah. experience grief. And it's like, yes, ah, that's a bit constricting for yes. story writing. Uh, yeah, Ron Moore, who goes on to create Battlestar Galactica, Outlander, and you know all these great shows. Basically, like that was his very first script. You know about. Um, uh, 
child of, a, of an officer who dies on a away mission. And Roddenberry hated the script because he was just like, no, children don't grieve in the future. You know, we don't grieve in the future. You know, yeah, everybody like, is completely just, stable in the future. I like that. So like, Ron Moore, Ron Moore in response to that said, I'm going to create an entire series, which is all about grief. Yes. Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Well, yeah. well, I mean, and, Battlestar Galactica, one of the many things that goes into that stew is basically it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a writer's version of like an Amish Rumspringer, where it's basically just like, I'm going to do all the stuff for the past 10 years I was not allowed to do. Right. Um, so that's 100% what it is. Um, Talk about ethical oh. ethical dilemmas. You got to watch Battlestar, Jay. <laughs> oh, I mean, so I'm much. I'm having a good time watching Babylon Five right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still I'm still uh, just I'm still thinking I'm gonna be sad when it's when it's over. I there's something that you said that uh, that I didn't think of before, and actually, I I like that idea that you said that uh, Lon is a character who is an antisocial character who is in charge of. <laughs> uh, this thing where she needs to be around a lot of people. And I actually kind of enjoy that concept of a characteristic that they would write into a character to like, see how you would deal. Like you're this kind of person, but you're in this type of role and how are you going to manage that? I actually like that now that you bring that up and I'm gonna pay attention to that now that I'm watching the show. It's yeah, more than that. She's just around other people, though. She's the security chief, right? right. And security yes. chiefs have latitude to like violate other people's rights in that's the name what I mean. of that's why I think security. Well, that's exactly why I think this characteristic is so interesting to watch. So I'm gonna. Well, most other security chiefs are are very very convivial, like Worf. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> very congenial. Remember how angry Tasha Yar was all the time? Was I pissed. came from a rape planet. Yeah, yeah. I came from yeah. a rape planet, and she'd be yelling that all the time. She, she had a tough. She had a tough. Uh, a tough yeah. go of it. Um, yeah. Well, I'm gonna read that last paragraph to yeah. just tie up, yeah. tie this little bow onto the onto the show, and then we can we can uh, go yeah. from there. With the two remaining Gorn ships still in pursuit, Pike has Ortegas slingshot the Enterprise around a singularity at the heart of the Brown Dwarf, successfully accomplishing the maneuver despite the escalating damage to the ship. Having effectively outmaneuvered the Gorn, Pike is confident that Starfleet will be better prepared for any future skirmishes with them, though Singh remains visibly concerned. Um, the, the crew picks up the pieces from the harrowing battle with Number One and Hemmer recovering from their wounds. Mm. Um, uh, one thing, this, this thing, that side, that I know this, the, this whole this whole summary did not ignores the fact that um, yeah. that we got a recreation of one of my favorite scenes of all time, <laughs> which is when oh we've got a we've got to vent the shuttle bay. And I think this one was a lot more realistic than the one where Jordy and Dr. Crusher just held onto the bars yep. and didn't get sucked out into the vacuum of space. Yeah, they just held on. They just held on real hard. I love that at least they got EV suits in this one. Yes. Like, oh my straps God. and like, you know, like the like real concerned. Like, sense of like, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was, I, I loved all the hardware and everything. I, I yeah. love how industrial. You know, For the, a the second there it. during the show, because I had, I don't know what I'm in for in this show yet i was like are they gonna actually kill off a character i that yeah. star trek doesn't do that so the way they were talking about hammer we were like mm. okay i didn't think hammer was gonna die i thought that the um, transporter chief was gonna get it in that one scene mm. where he was the, where he had to cut off mm. the the um the bulkhead and then then the guy who clearly was supposed to die he just pushes him through and i was like, i guess i guess that makes sense <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but i'm like star trek rarely kills off main characters Unless you know they hate their job and they, they the want out of their contract and they and then, want out of their yeah. contract, but I'm like, is this 
or did they is this like a game of thrones thing where you think this is the lead character but then they chop off his head wait there's also mm. the other the other reason they kill people off which is if they request too much more money money in the sixth season of <laughs> yeah. the show yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that extra who died in this episode wanted a pay raise yeah. yeah they were like you know what i uh, i think i oh my god a, like, you, want, well, you want two lunch vouchers get out of here i would be so excited to be an extra on star trek and die in an episode i would be so happy to do that i would be happy to die on star trek like please y'all i'm finally at the point of deep space nine where it's esri dax and not judzia anymore oh, and i just don't know what to do, do with feel? myself oh my Bad. I feel bad. Well, I think that actress had one of the toughest acting jobs you, in I, recent yeah, memory. I agree. And I, agree. I think Nicole DeBoer handled herself quite well. I don't think she's I bad. I'm just agree. sad about Judzia. Yeah. Judzia is the best. Yeah, Judzia was yeah, the but best. Then, but then she went on to work with uh, Ted Danson on uh, CBS. On Becker. On yeah. Becker. So. And she, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's where she her. went. She went right from Star Trek to Becker for a little while. That's why I so. watched that show. Um, Go uh, ahead, Terry Farrell. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and you know the thing about Nicole, I I, I think like I, I it didn't help too that like it was the seventh season. We had a bunch of stuff to wrap up. You know, Chris, I know you're not there yet. But like there are episodes that are just like let's do an episode about Esri. And like there's a part of me that's basically just like well that's great. Like you know we want I want to explore this character. And there's another part of me that's going like. Clock is ticking, guys. Do we do we do Yeah, we could be exploring Odo and Tosh and, and <laughs> yeah. Oda and Narisa's kinks right now, but instead right, we're right, learning right. about a new character. Right, yeah. right. I, I wish Kira Narisa and Jadzia Dax were allowed to be the lesbians they were meant to be. They definitely had that vibe, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They definitely did. Yep. I think You're even the me. actresses, I've heard them say that they would have liked that too. <laughs> they would have liked that. I wish Bashir and Garrick could have been the gay I lovers. Just, yeah, like, yeah. Everybody yeah. just it needed that. But you know. You know how it is. <laughs> I, I I love the you know, and I know it's kind of a cop out when it comes to like representation, but I also I love like when when all four of those actors kind of answer those kind of questions, like they always kind of couched in where basically just like, well, you know, it's in an era, you know, it's in a part of the future where like people don't have hangups like that, like so just because there's no scene where you know Bashir sleeps with Garrett, there's no. There's, there's nothing proving that didn't happen. Yeah, there's no right. taboo around yeah. it. It's and, just, and kinda, they I didn't show it on screen, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, funny. I was like, oh, are you? Are we done with the summary? Yeah, we're anyway. done with the summary, yeah. I was a little bit uh, more fascinated with all of the science in this episode, with the, 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 black, the brown dwarfs and the black holes and the and the, the redshift horizon the red or, shift and the yeah. and mm-hmm. the pike maneuver that came out of that um yeah so uh also i'm just gonna say i'm gonna cite my sources which is the ready room i did my research by watching the hey, ready did room you, hey carrie so. did you watch the ready room this week i did i watched okay. the ready room and i learned a bunch of stuff <laughs> and i'm just gonna also include that into my uh, uh review of this week's episode i'm gonna also uh so a star, I realized that a brown dwarf is just a star that that didn't become a star because it, it didn't have enough gas. So it sort of forms the same way a star would form, but there's not enough gas. But then they never get out of the chorus. They just are, they're in the back tapping. Yeah, they're, they never the, quite they're in the back the and that's front. why they're brown. They're not they, in the yeah. light. They ate so, at Chipotle instead of Taco so Bell. So the star right. doesn't, oh. ha- so the star, which has a lot of, hydrogen gas and it has a lot of friction and explodes into a star i see but the brown dwarf doesn't have enough gas so it doesn't have that 
of power to turn into a star, but it's still like really dense. So that's the problem with the brown dwarf. And so then the brown dwarf gets caught in the gravitational field of a black hole. And a black hole is, if you think of space as like a bed sheet and you drop a bowling ball on a bed sheet and it sort of makes a like a dent in it. So like the heavier the ball is, the, the I, more science that I can't, don't ask me why this is, but then there's something to do with velocity. So the heavier it is, it pulls it in. So then the more, so that creates the gravity around it. Is that, okay, that's the best way I can describe it. I'm not a scientist. So hopefully that made a little bit of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now because of that, if the red shifting is the, the gravity will stretch, it stretches the light um, like a, uh, like a slinky, it stretches the light. So that what, if you're far away from it, it distorts the time where you would see the thing. So you're not actually looking at the thing in real time. So it might look like it's staying still because of the grav the gravity distortion. So something closer to it than something farther away from it, you couldn't quite see it correctly so then the pike maneuver was he took advantage of all that and he threw he went he went deeper into the gravity exploded the bomb to make it look like he exploded too because by the time they saw the explosion the ship was gone so they assumed that the ship exploded because they didn't see it in real time i figured that out <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm I'm taking my master's degree in music, and I'm really applying all that knowledge I learned. And I believe I I co I co-sign that. I think that's true. music yeah. is just physics, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, just waves. Mm -hmm. Yep. Don't ask me any questions. I don't speak English. I only learned to say these words in English. <laughs> <laughs> I've only memorized these words. So I remember watching the previous episode with my sister. And as soon as they tried to explain how a light virus could happen, my sister is just going, this doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> she, she just graduated from medical school and she's yeah. like, none of this makes any sense. Yeah. They take some liberties. They take some liberties. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I like that. Well, um, any other thoughts, uh, science or otherwise, on this episode? A memento mori? Anyone um, thinking of their inevitable death? Mm, well, we didn't, we didn't talk about the Hemmer and Uhura subplot. You're absolutely right. No, or the uh, Una stuff either. You're right. So we got the hem we got Hemmer and and Uhura stuck in the cargo bay. I feel like it's unfair to call is Una's thing really a subplot? I don't know. She just I like that, it's, what it's, was fascinating about it was like they had they couldn't rely on technology, so they were like, Well, you know archaeological medicine, let's just right. sew her up old fashioned style. So they had to sort of go back to that. They couldn't rely on their hydros. They're like, you're from the Australian outback uh, and you were a top model. Well, I think we can sew somebody shut. Uh, yeah. yeah. Australia is a hard place to grow up. I kind of thought like that was all that was about. Was That was just like a little, you know, tertiary story about like what it's like in the, in the, in the medical bay during yeah. this. 
doesn't doesn't the story have a conflict? Well, basically, they um they're out of plasma, and then Una sure. needs some, and she's going to bleed a lot. But then also, this other woman needs some, and so Una insists that the other woman gets it, mm-hmm. and then they say there's going to be a blot of blood. We don't ever see yeah. the blood, but you know. I remember what happened. But like it it in what way were any of the characters really challenged with anything? Uh well they couldn't use their technology. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like there wasn't real like his blood to her blood, so they were doing like a real a live, you know. But they didn't have any other like options, right? It's not like they discussed any other options of what to do, and then like they were faced with any kind of real like decision where they had like I don't know there are two like options that are mm-hmm. both plausible but both faulty for different reasons or like. Well, I- yeah, I didn't think it was about decisions. Yeah. I felt it was more like about, you know, can we, th- th- this is our only choice. Can mm-hmm. we actually do this, you know? But yeah. if it's your only choice, you do it. Oh, man, you are, uh, you're fun. I, mean, I, I, I just, <laughs> I just feel like but this I mean, is sort of me griping still, about how I, I feel like I'm just that. watching stuff happen in the show. Yeah. Well, I think well, also it's good yeah. to remember that it's called Memento Mori. The whole theme of the entire episode mm-hmm. is the inevitability yeah. of death. And they're showing us in each and every scene yeah. how close these people are and how yeah. dangerous all these situations are. I think that right. maybe that maybe is the, what okay. I took away is the overarching yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, okay. and and I'm I, just I, seeing I, it as like a like a snippet of what what life is like for these people and what they encounter on a yeah. daily basis uh on this starship yeah i there's i heard you say carrie that like you were wondering whether or not that whether or not they're actually gonna like kill a crew member when it got to the scene where they vent the the um cargo bay yeah um and i i know they were trying to like make you feel that and i just never felt that at any point that they were going to kill them. And maybe that's why the episode kind of like fell flat for me, because if that's like the big thing they want you to like worry about, then, and, but it's like a feel good action show. So like, I don't know, all the the main characters survive always. Yeah, but they killed all the, you know, they got seven, seven people died. They gave them a little funeral at the end. (laughs) The whole planet, the whole, the whole, uh, do do we know any of their names? Let me, let me ask that question. That one girl, that one girl, Abby. Who ran, right? Was yeah, that her name? Oh, she, she had a name? There was uh, Jason. No, I, I don't know. No, that, but that little girl who runs from the, the cargo ship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Talking about the monster. Girl. She yeah, absolutely right, right. Yeah. She dies, and we knew her name. And I, I really liked when she said that they set fire to the rain, because like, ah, Adele predicted that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, we, didn't, we didn't really talk about the colonists at all, and I know really, I realize there's not that much to talk about, but I actually... Oh, they're there to be killed, aren't they? I mean, really? I know, I know, but like I thought it was uh, I I I appreciate I appreciated that like they 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 try to ju- just just squeeze in just a little bit of characterization, yeah. you know, for those colonists because I feel like a lot of Star Trek shows treat colonists as basically just like this monolithic, basically just like yes, they're colonists, like kind of thing, and basically, and maybe their leader is a jerk or something like that, and like it's just it's just honestly like we've seen a lot of casualties in Star Trek, but honestly, mm-hmm. I felt like they gave me just enough. So that when they did die, I felt like, oh shit! You yeah, know, like it wasn't, you felt it wasn't bad. just like a right. Yeah, they didn't yeah. Hold, hold back. It didn't feel like a and here's the end of the teaser. And yeah, of course, a couple yeah. people died. Instead of just like, oh shit, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. And, they gave you just enough so you felt a little sad when they died. Like, oh yeah, really? Yeah, oh, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But they did. They did. They gave. They gave some characterization. I agree. You agree. I just. It made me think of. Um, this SNL sketch called The Actress, which was a digital short starring um, 
Oh, she's she's got red hair and she's very funny. Oh, uh, Emma, not Emma. Yes, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Oh, is Emma Stone? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's called the actress, and basically she she's she comes in. She's like, it was the role of a lifetime. I couldn't believe I got it, but it was going to change me. And basically, she's playing the role of the woman who gets cheated on in the gay porn. <laughs> That's a good one. And she comes in, and she's just like, so I just want to add a little more about my character. Like, what'd she do? Where'd she come from? And she's like, oh yeah. She's no past, no future. She just exists to be cheated on. Like, I was like, <laughs> very, very that. That's vibe to it. So that's my recommendation. Uh, <laughs> check out the actress Emma Stone SNL. You'll you'll enjoy it very much. Fun. Yeah. Fun. Anybody else have a, a further thought on the episode? A recommendation? A, 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 um... Looking forward to the next uh, episode. Uh, I'm always, I'm going to keep looking forward to the next episode because I want to see what is going to be shown to me. <laughs> and uh, wear sunscreen. I'm, wear I'm looking. Yeah, I guess my further thought is I'm looking forward to when the problem the crew has to deal with isn't like an external phenomenon that they can science their way out of, but like a person, preferably played by like an interesting and like well, act, well, good acting like guest star who challenges them. That's what I think I'm really waiting for in the episode. I thought of another character that we could see as a bad guy in season three of Picard. Uh, remember when they created that sentient version of Moriarty and then they sent him off into space? I love it. I love it. Those are my favorite some of my favorite episodes from Next Gen, honestly. I love so Moriarty episodes. And he's yeah. still floating around in space and he like just comes back and he's like, mm-hmm. I had a lot of time to think about this. Mm-hmm. Well, he's in a cube, right? He's, he's in, in that like cube a in the little cube. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then he meets Agnes Gerardi Borg Queen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> she, she interrupts his like millennia long gaming session. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's just, in a He's just in the cube looking reality. at memes. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's 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 getting it together with his 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 uh paramour. What was her name? She was very good. Mm, don't remember. I don't remember either. Well, hey Michael Henley, do you have any final thoughts or recommendations? Um, no final thoughts, but if I can cross the streams here for a second, I will say um, I believe Ghostbusters right. told us not to do that, but oh, go for it. Yes, that. yes, yes. Well, I know like there's a real, you know, kind of uh, you know, kind of verses between two fandoms here, but I, I, I wanted to say uh, I'm really enjoying the Obi Wan Kenobi show on Disney Plus right now. I'm really enjoying it a lot, and I've been oh. very skeptical about some of the Star Wars TV shows lately. Um, I and I went in skeptical to this, and kind of came out just being like, "No, okay, I totally, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I am, I am in. Mm-hmm. So I'm really enjoying it." Well, good. Um, I think, I think, Jay, do you feel like you got your final thoughts in your, and, and you carry yeah. as well? I think we're, we're yeah. okay, cool. I, I only have one more recommendation, which is, and uh, maybe, and maybe we've mentioned it on the podcast before. I don't know. It's a TV show on Netflix called Old Enough, where, um, three to five-year-old children have oh, parents yeah. for their parents. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that show. It's oh, yes. very adorable I'm and I'm obsessed with Aww. it. It's SNL so... did a parody of it a couple yes. weeks ago, and that's it's how like I my thirty-four-year-old boyfriend. It was sent him on, a, on, a, on an airing for me. <laughs> that sketch was fantastic. Old enough, definitely watch old enough. No, it's sketch. very cute. They're like, you're three years old, so you're gonna go run down and get some crab sticks from the store, and then get some <laughs> some uh, get a parasol for the altar for your grandmother, and then fetch the priest, and then and then <laughs> and the children are like, mommy sent me because you were late, and like it's so cute. It's so cute, oh. and they take care of those kids. The whole village is like taking care of the children. It's very heartwarming and lovely. Yeah. Aww. And uh, on that note, I think we should end the episode with a song, and I think we okay. should set fire. 
Because you said.